This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues that shape our lives with your guides, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and DJ Payne. It's DJ here with your old pal, Matt Jacoby. Here we are. Here we are. Now, we're still recording in the makeshift office. Mm. The studio is still underway. Yeah. It is... It's looking good. It's looking good. We're mm. weeks away from getting it done. We're going to feel like professionals, it, aren't we? Finally. I don't know if the content's going to get any better, but we'll feel better yeah, that's about right. it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to feel better about ourselves being... <laughs> now, um, really quickly, there's a couple of housekeeping things I want to do right at the beginning of this episode before we get into the actual crux of it. And by the by the title of, of it there in the podcast play, you know what we're going to be talking about, the new mm. atheism, yeah. which isn't so new anymore. No, it's but... not so new anymore, but it still has enduring influence. So, so we, we wanted to record, as, especially because this podcast is all about worldview and Christian worldview. I think it, you know we'd be keeping our heads in the sand if we didn't talk about this cultural phenomenon of, mm. of the new yeah, atheism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I need to say uh, a happy birthday to who? To us. Ah, oh. this is our first birthday. Thrive Perspectives. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. has been around for one year. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> We've turned one. Our official birthday is February the 14th, 2020. Okay. And uh, we picked a great time to start a new podcast, February the 14th, 2020, Valentine's Day mm. last year, just before the entire world went into lockdown. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and here we are one year on and we're still in lockdown. Yeah, so, right. uh, yep. you know, there, there, there we have it. So it's our first birthday, uh, you know, um, and hopefully uh, you've you've enjoyed one year of Thrive Perspectives, 27 episodes yeah. that we've put out of this. And as always, we want to hear your opinion, your thoughts, your feedback around the podcast. And we got plenty of that mm. with the last two episodes we did. Yeah. We did two – the last two episodes that you would have heard from us and Thrive Perspectives is – what Matthew learnt in the year 2020 yeah. and then what I learnt yeah. in the year 2020. Yeah. We took an episode each yeah. and the feedback has been huge. Yeah, yeah, lots of feedback. Both good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> and, which is fine, actually. We're really uh, open to that. Um, yeah, you, you, made a, you made a sort of political comment that I, that I think wasn't appreciated by, uh, by some. I, you know, I think it's well known... Probably, I mean, you and I have quite different perspectives, and yes. we don't agree on uh, on politics. I mean, yep. I, I, I mean, not 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 that I feel like I have any particularly strong opinions uh, on the matter, but but I think I th- I hope that what we model yeah. is the fact that we can be friends, we can have discussion, yes. we can we can lean in different directions, and that works, and it should work. Yeah, yeah. When and it comes that, to politics, and that's yeah. why we, that's exactly what we want to say. And I really want to make one thing. Well, first off, I want to say thank you to everybody who who got in touch with us and really was encouraged with Matt's journey into becoming a senior pastor. Mm. You know, congratulations, mm. you've been commissioned. Yeah. I was going to say ordained, but you got ordained a long time ago, but you're mm-hmm. actually commissioned in the church. You are now the senior pastor of our church. Um, and, uh, you know, a really great episode on that. And then the next episode, I talk about the three things that God, you know, I believe mm. that God taught me in, in the year mm-hmm. 2020. I'd need to read this one out because it's so lovely. And from a wonderful, wonderful guy, Andrew, uh, Andrew says, um, wow, wow, wow. The power of your testimony was amazing. Now, I'm sorry, Matt, this is, I'm reading out. A, I'm reading out praise just for me. Ah, okay, so I'm reading out my praise. Is that That's okay? Good. No, I like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, every one of your three issues struck a massive chord with me. So much for me to process, especially the willingness to become the Lord's slave. Thank you so much for your honesty in every respect. And then he has an aside that I think leads into mm. a couple of the criticisms that mm. we got was purely around my mentioning of the of the word Trump, and I think mm. the word Trump is a trigger word for some. Mm. You know, Donald Trump is a is a triggering person. Mm. I want to reiterate the point. I don't know if I made the point well enough. The point I was trying to make Mm. in that episode of Thrive Perspectives that I feel God is convicting me Mm. of the temptation to look into politics or political people Mm. as Mm. a solution to our problems. That was my point. Now, I'm so sorry. If you turned off the podcast at my mention mm. of it and haven't been able to listen to the rest, please apologize. I'm not – I don't want to be seen as some sort of crazy let's storm the capital conspiracy theorist with mm. horns on, you know, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. That's not me. I'm not I, – I actually believe that politics, all politics, both sides of politics, is awful and not an answer to anything. Mm. And that's what God's been yeah, teaching. And that's something me. that we've, you know, we've talked about and and agree. It's you know that 
main problem in the world isn't a political problem, no. so the answer can't be a political answer. And I just want to, and I sincerely, I, I would hate it if anything that I said stopped someone from listening to the mm. podcast and the rest of the podcast mm. and maybe missing what God has been teaching us, I, I really would hate that to happen. So please take a moment. If you mm. have issue with it, please come to me directly. Mm. I would love to talk to you. I'll meet with you for coffee. Uh, <laughs> yeah. how, how, how can how can people contact you if they want to? I am. All you uh, need to do is search. I literally go to Google and put in DJ P-A-I-N-E, DJ yep. Payne. I'll even give you my email address. DJ Payne FM is in the radio. DJ Payne FM at gmail.com. All complaints. <laughs> Including complaints about me, go uh, will be directed to DJ. Look, you, you can you, if you want to go personally, you can do that. But you know, like we say to everybody, this is Thrive Perspectives. We're part of the Thrive Today, uh, ThriveToday.tv. Yeah. You can contact us directly like that. Yeah, that's the yeah. easiest way to do it. Yeah. The emails come to us, and that's how Andrew got a hold of us. It's great. It's been great to have feedback. Oh. I, we really value that. You know, we are doing perspectives, and we recognise that. You know, you may not agree. You may not understand everything. You may if something. Uh, concerns you or, or you have further questions, do do please interact. We, oh, we do want to interact. Please interact with us. And, and, and we're not frightened. I can, I'm going to speak before you here, Matt. Mm. You and I love, underline love, mm. someone coming to us and going, hang on a minute. Yeah. I don't agree with you. Yeah. Now, I, as much as I love the praise that we get, and yeah. we get plenty of praise and we really appreciate that. When someone says, hang on a minute, yeah. I've got an issue with that. <clears throat> I go, oh, this is good. Let's yeah. go. I really enjoy that. Not for yeah. an argument's sake, yeah. but I learned so much. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I learned so yeah, much. That's good. Like around that point, again, I don't want to bang on about this, but around this point around politics, news, the media and everything like that, I've realised in this process of me recording it on the last episode, talking with you, having feedback, mm. I, 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 am too, I use too much hyperbole in my language. Mm. You know, you know, we and we joke about this. We joke about this. I I will often just go. I'll go out there in a statement, and I'll go. Of course, it is. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a truth. And everyone goes. Well, you can't know. Like philos, you know, philosophically, that's not. So I'm the I am the person who I'm the boy who cries wolf. Yeah. In the fact that I. Uh, you know, if I'm constantly walking around going, it's 100% when I really want to make yeah. it 100%, mm. I've lost all meaning of my yeah. language. Yeah. So this is a lesson for me as a communicator. I need to walk it back a little bit yeah. and go, listen, I might be convicted that I feel that my in my yeah. gut that this is true. I'm not saying it's 100% <laughs> because there is only a couple of things that we can say 100% on. And one of them, of course, is the guiding factor behind everything that we do here, and that yeah. is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's what, what we're 100%, that's what we're 100% yeah, that's on. Good. Now, that's we've said all of that. That's all the housekeeping. Let's get into the, today's uh, episode about mm. something that full on against this conviction that we have of Jesus yeah. Christ and the gospel is the new atheism. Yeah, which, as we said uh, before, is not so new. This is probably a phenomenon of the 2000s, but it exercises enduring cultural influence. Yeah. Uh, I still meet people today that are reading these books, and, and there are four people in particular here. They're known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> the four um, horsemen of the new atheism. Um, and yeah. when you say it came out, I mean, from from the early 2000s, really taking a massive hold of culture, making a massive impact around about 2007. Yeah, and um, I mean, one of them, possibly the, one of the more well-known is, is Richard Dawkins. He yes. did a, a documentary um, on, on, his, on his views. I, I heard he gave a TED Talk, actually there's a famous TED Talk that he gave, where he says, uh, I'm, a lot of people call me an atheist. I'm not an atheist, I'm a militant atheist. So, so that, that probably... That's his religion. Yeah, that probably describes, I guess, the um, how this new atheism is new. Yes, is that it's very militant. Um, yes, and there's even been a there's even been a bit of a kickback against this from the atheist community, because there are a number of atheists like Alain de Botton, who's also, you know also a very a well known author, who have written books in response. I mean, Alain de Botton wrote a book called Religion for Atheists. Yes, where he uh, expresses a great admiration for religion. He just says, I don't believe in God, but yet I recognise actually that um, that religion, Christianity in particular, he's, he's talking about, mm -hmm. has contributed so much good to our society and he and, and continually does. So um, uh, they the new atheists are a bit of uh, that kind of militant brand of atheism. Now they have been, as I said, they have been quite influential. A lot of people... 
um, have uh, have followed them. And I think it's sewed into this polarization that we see happening uh, in our culture because they're like, no, it's not just something that you just quietly believe, you know, you don't believe. No, we actually need to get rid of this. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned the four horsemen. The other horsemen would be, uh, you mentioned Richard Dawkins. The other one that's really popular is the younger guy, Sam Harris. Yep. So so Richard, let me start with just say one, one more thing about Richard Dawkins. Richard okay. Dawkins is a scientist. He uh, became quite well known through his book called The Selfish Gene in the Area of Genetics and Biology. Yes. So he's very much coming from a scientific point. Now, I think they're actually all coming a bit more from the scientific uh, point of view. 100%. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sam Harris is more the journalist. He's, he's more your kind of uh, popular public intellectual, yes. intellectual, really. Like uh, a commentator. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's more of a social commentator. Yes. Um, that's probably true also of Christopher Hitchens, who's the, the thorn. Now, Christopher Hitchens has passed away now, yes. yep. um, but he was a journalist and more of a sort of social commentator. Now, the, the other thing we should m- mention, of course, is, as you're probably already aware of, Richard Dawkins, uh, British, uh, Sam Harris, American. Yep. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, British, yep. again. And Christopher Hitchens, um, long, you know, his brother is also a journalist, Peter Hitchens. Uh, yeah, I don't know much about his brother. Well, he, yeah. he's, a, he's a full-on Christian. He's a, you know, his brother's yeah. a, a full-on Christian journalist, commentator. Right. Okay. Very interesting fellow. Yeah. Um, was close to, you know, fairly close to his brother, Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens um, wrote the book, uh, the famous book that he wrote about that really yeah. moved this movement into into a big one was... A God is Not Great. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how, how Religion Poisons Everything is the subtitle uh, of that book. Um, Dawkins famous book was called The God Delusion yes. uh, f- for those who have seen that around uh, Sam Harris wrote a, a book called A Letter to a Christian Nation and then um, and then others since that the fourth yes. um, guy this is probably the only um, sort of professional philosopher uh, amongst them yep. uh, and that is Daniel Dennett now he wrote a book called Darwin's Dangerous Idea mm-hmm. uh, it's a more it's a more scholarly book um uh, but it's also coming – he very much comes from a more scientific point of view, even in his uh, philosophical outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's these four guys. Two Americans. Daniel Dennett's also American. Two Americans, yeah. two, two English, which is interesting, yeah, you yeah, know, the divide yeah. there. Yeah. So they're, they're the four horsemen of the new atheism. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones who really set the public stage yeah. and – and, and of course, there, there are other, you know, others uh, yes. since, you know, and and but it's been interesting to note that th- that this kind of brand of atheism or the kind of arguments that these guys are using has been uh, perpetuated actually through, you know, various, uh, you know, popular literature. I mean, I've in perspectives episodes, I've talked a bit about Yuval Noah Harari that wrote a book called uh, Home, uh, called Sapiens and Homo Deus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he very much carries very similar kind of perspective uh, to these. So this is, yeah. you know, their brand of atheism is probably the um, represents, I guess, where, you know, where atheism as such uh, is at yeah. uh, today. So what, what I thought it would be good to do, uh, and, and we're very much squarely in the area of apologetics, and um, uh, I teach in the area of pol- apologetics. So one of the important things to do, and... and what can happen if you know when people pick up uh, a book by say the god delusion i mean it's it it feels it can feel very convincing okay same with the book and then the, re- the the reason why you're touching on this is because you might be listening to us right now at home and whatever you're doing you might be in the car in the gym whatever listening to us at work and you're going oh guys the new atheism really going to talk to me about this philosophical yeah. stuff why is this important to me how does this affect me why is this? Yeah. Well, because it does affect you. You might. Yeah, you, that's right. You might be thinking this doesn't affect me. I'm not going to read those books. But let me tell you, the people that are shaping culture. Yeah, are reading these. Are books. reading these books. Comedians yeah. are reading these books. That's true. News yeah, anchors yeah. are reading these books. Other writers and journalists are reading these books and being swayed by their ideas. That's right. So the culture is going to be pushing up against you with these ideas, and we want you to be just a little bit armed. Yeah, a little bit aware, right. um, you know, because where this hits me, I before I heard about any of these people, I was a massive fan of Ricky Gervais. Yeah, 
Ricky Gervais yeah. from the British, the yeah. office, extras. Yeah. One of the funniest people to walk yeah. the face of the earth yeah. in the last, you know, 100 years has made me laugh more than anybody else. Um, he is an evangelistic yeah. atheist. That's right. So he, he is an evangelistic voice for the yes. new atheism. Yes. And and he he is built on the foundation of Hawkins. Uh, uh, um, Hitchens and Dawkins. I was going yes. to say Hawkins. <laughs> um, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So this is a this is a. It still is a quite a prominent um, phenomena. Now, um, I think, I think we have moved on in a sense. I think this the militancy of this didn't stand well no. actually no. overall. And it's interesting to look at this even from with the retrospect of now, sort of decade and a half later yes um it's it it was sort of so negative and 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 it was it's been even though you know christianity is uh perhaps uh not well it's certainly not in vogue has it ever been in vogue you know um, you you want to run away screaming from the culture when christianity is in vogue yeah, yeah, that's I just right. want to make a point uh, so um but you know i think there's been a lot of correctives to this, even from the you know atheist you know community that, well, actually, Christianity has been part of sowing into a lot of good things in our culture, and so there's, there have been a lot of correctives, uh, and yet, yet the the the, uh, the apart from the militancy, yes, the actual nature of the of the arguments uh, is still. Um, uh, still carries weight. Now, as I said, I mean, when when you when you read the books. Um, it feels very convincing, yeah. and I know even Christians reading this book can get really knocked around by it. Um, and it's partly actually why, or, or look, they're going to talk to people who have read these books and get knocked around by that. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about this? Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. the rich and Dawkins, and you're going to sit there and be like a deer in the headlights yeah. and go, "I've never thought of that." Yeah, and and I think one of the problems here, and, and this is, I guess, me, you know, talking as. Um, as a student of philosophy, as you know, I'm a lecturer in philosophy. Philosophy. So, one of the useful things about that is philosophy is all, all about diving under the foundations of what we think, mm. and examining those foundations and thinking critically about that. Now, what can seem really convincing on the surface, mm. when you get down to the foundations, well, do we have solid foundations here? And and actually, I think what we find um, under the new atheism are very very shaky. Foundations. In fact, I don't believe this has legitimate foundation at all. Actually, wow. Wow. Uh, now I'm not just saying that as as a Christian. I'm saying that um, due to the fact that the the foundational sort of philosophical position um, of the new atheism is it's it's based on a on a view um, of reality and how we know reality mm-hmm. that has been outmoded for decades. Mm. Like knocked on the head, even that, and and I'm talking, of course, about uh, a school of philosophy named, uh, known as positivism, which became logical positivism in the beginning of the 20th century. Um, so, if it's okay, yeah. with you, and you can just pull me up if I'm not right. making sense, I, or I'm, for the for the sake <laughs> only, listen, listen, dear listener, for only for the sake of you and the and the podcast listeners, I'm going to be playing the role. I know this is hard to believe. <laughs> I'm going to be playing the role of the dummy. All right. Yeah. I know it's hard to believe that I could play such a role, but I'm going to play the dumb. So when I hear a word or when I hear a phrase, I'm going to be asking okay. the dumb questions. Well, let me tell you that studying philosophy ha- always has this effect. You <laughs> always feel like the dummy. I mean, I, I constantly feeling like the dummy. Uh, it has a wonderful, humbling uh, effect. But anyway, um, it does teach us to think critically. And, and this is what I think as Christians in this day and age, we do need to learn how to think more critically. A hundred percent. And uh, and we do need to get underneath rather than just accept people's arguments uh, on f- at face value. We actually need to get under. What are the underlying assumptions behind here? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the underlying assumptions um, is about how we know reality. H- how do we know what's true you know, yeah. and, and what's false? Now there is um, this view of positivism, which which is which became logical positivism, which basically asserted. Now work with me here. Okay, let's go. It asserted that the scientific method of verification. Yes. Okay. Of seeing whether or not things are true. So scientific method. The scientific method, if I could sum it up, it's in this dummy's estimation, yeah. is someone comes up and goes, "Oh, look at that! I I put that piece of paper outside, and it was." Blue when I left it there yesterday. Yeah. It's yellow today. Yeah. 
why did that happen? Well, let me do a bunch of tests, yeah. go back and forth and work out why. I will then say, I believe that it became yellow because of this. Yeah. And then other scientists around the world can come and argue the case and will come up with a That's theory. Right. And the scientific method is a wonderful thing. Okay, it, it actually it's it's really useful because it's it's a way of testing empirical facts, basically. And dare I say, at the roots of sci- of the scientific method, the roots of the earliest people wanting to work out mm. these these things was done in a in a worldview that was very Christian. That's right. I mean, science was not even made possible as um, uh, Alfred North Whitehead, a, a famous athe- uh, atheist, as far as I'm aware, uh, philosopher. At, at a very famous um, uh, lectures, I can't remember exactly the context, but he famously declared to a group of scientists, most of whom were atheists, that science would not have been possible if it were not for the Christian worldview, which which stated that there, there is a, a universe that is ordered where we can expect patterns, where yes. you know, um, so uh, it's there is meaning. That's right. There's so, meaning behind all of these yes. things, and and we are good. Uh, useful cogs in the creation when we work out why it's happening. That's right. And so as the sociologist Rodney Stark, historian sociologist Rodney Stark, uh, argues, um, I mean, Christianity really created the context why uh, science grew up in, in its modern form in Christendom and not in other, you know, other parts uh, of the world. Yeah. Now, you know, th- there was some... Uh, there is some influence of Greek thought. Certainly, there's some influence of Greek thought. But remember, it was within Christianity that sort of combined Greek thought with this view of a world uh, with patterns, you know, yep. a created world, um, and and really went with this. So, okay. So, so, so that's we're not scienti- anti. You know, so when we say scientific method, that's what you mean. That's right. So, so we're not. I'm not. We're not being anti-science no. uh, here. And it's you know, science. Uh, the scientific method is is a really good way of um, testing and, and finding more about the empirical world. Now, let me explain the word empirical. I'm using big words here. Uh, empirical just means tangible, okay, the tangible world. Yeah. Um, the world that I can see, touch, the world that I can touch, I can smell, my I senses. can taste. Yeah. My senses can push up against this yeah. empirical world. Yeah, or, or even, you know, when, when we study galaxies, and we, I mean, there, there, is still, there is still evidence, tangible evidence that we have uh, of these that we deduce from yeah. by rational deduction, we can, you know, we can um, uh, s- subject that to the scientific method and genuinely find out things. Okay. Yes. Now, um, positivism asserted. Now, there's obviously some people, our more astute listeners, will at once um, sense a problem here, and the problem being is that God is not an empirical fact. God is a fact. Yeah. I mean, the, the existence of God. I, I would. S- strongly say god is a fact but not empiric is not it's not a tangible yeah. something that that can be tested through the human senses or even fathom with the human mind yes. right so straight away the demand for where's the evidence yes. is essentially a demand for god to become less than what god is yeah Let's just shelve that for the for the moment. Okay, and, and we and haven't. No, bear with it. Take a deep breath. Don't don't. Okay. We, we haven't <laughs> lost you yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. So I mean, so again, that's. See, I mean, there's a bit of. There's a bit of, uh, trickery here. I'm, I'm I'm putting it in a in a fairly pejorative sense, but there's a bit of trickery here that happens because the demand for evidence, is actually quite rigged. And and this is brings me back to to positivism and uh, which basically says the scientific method of verification mm-hmm. is the only method of verification of all reality of anything that we accept mm-hmm. to be real. Yeah. Um, now, you know, so if, if it cannot be uh, potentially. Uh, False, you know, but like potentially studied through the scientific method, or, or if its existence cannot be verified through the scientific method, then it is not real. Now, I uh, reading, for example, an example of this was um, Yuval Noah Harari's book *Sapiens*, bestseller at the moment. And some of our uh, many of us may not have heard of it, but I've spoken to heaps of people that have read that. Mm. You know, he, he says something like, "Well." Um, human beings, th- th- there's no soul. 
because we've subjected that to um, scientific examination. We haven't found a soul, mm. so therefore there is no such it's, thing as I a soul. I couldn't find it in a, under a microscope. Well, we well find you know, it, you not, know. not quite that crude, yeah. but because he, he's not, he's actually saying we've subjected that to scientific, yeah. uh, to the scientific method. Yeah, it has not been verified, mm. therefore it's not true. Now again. That's tr- there's some problems like, with yeah, that. Yeah, there's some problems with that because it's actually not an, an imp- it's not something that can't it is within the scope of the scientific method. Yes. Um, so the problem with with positivism, to explain logical positivism, uh, logical positivists say that um, whatever cannot be verified through the scientific method, um, we they would say and and. They would say it it's can't be meaningful. It's it's like a meaningless okay. Yeah. It's no point even talking about why it. Why even bother talking about yeah. it? Because we can't study it, you can't know it for sure. And if it's it mustn't be important. Yeah, so I've heard popular figures uh, you know, say things like people they'll be asked about God. Oh, it's just a meaningless it has no meaning. Yeah. And what they're and I've this is I've heard this a lot. Yeah. And I think, oh yeah, they're um, they're referring to this logical positivist view that says because it's, you know, because it's, you know, the logical positivist said we, we need to define a fact, and a fact is something that it's basically empirical. You yeah. can point to it. You can you can study it under the yeah. scientific method. Yes. If if it's not, you know, if it's not a tangible fact, then yeah. it's meaningless even talking about. It. it has no, you know, even my own supervisor, my doctoral um, supervisor, doctorate supervisor at Melbourne University, said to me, um, she was an atheist, um, and she said, "I'm happy to su- when we first started." She said, "I'm happy to supervise your work, as long as you understand that for me, your your thesis has no referent." She said, yeah. and what she meant by that is that I. You're talking about something that ultimately is meaningless, yeah. but she said, I'm just going to um, work with you on the internal coherence of your argument. Anyway, yeah. so again, she's coming from this same... Where does... Where does uh, well, where does well she, she wouldn't have been logical positivist. Yeah. Cause, because again, uh, and I'll, I'll be quick to point out, this is the next thing I was going to say, because logical positivism as a philosophical movement is a dead horse. Okay. It's dead. I understand the logical part of the description. Where does the positivism, where does the positive come from? Yeah. Um, well, it's essentially the same thing. I mean, they're, they're, they're wanting only to work with positive facts. Okay. You know, it's like okay. that. Yes, yes, yes. Something that, has, that presents itself to yes. us okay. uh, as, a, as a fact and uh, something that we can grasp with our senses. Now, now, surely, and again, I'm playing the role of a dummy here. Now, surely anybody can, t- the first thing that people would say would be, I can't measure under a microscope or anything else the concepts of family, love, sacrifice, yeah. all the most yeah, important yeah. things I want to live for, the virtues and values and morals, yeah. they don't present themselves for scientific. Yeah, that's right. Well, yes, that's that's true, although um, some people would say those who uh, who want to reduce everything to naturalistic process would say, oh, yes, but we can study that because it's all n- neurons firing. It's all chemistry. Well, that they would, And that's a reductionistic uh, point of view. And again, th- that... So, so in one sense, um, this perspective of... Po- this positivistic perspective is still around. It's often referred to as scientism now. Yeah, scientism heard, is is where if science can't tell us that it's right, then it's then it's not true. If I heard Timothy Keller refer to it as proofism, ah, uh, yeah, that that's another way. Of, like of saying you, that. unless yeah. you can prove it to me, and I can see scientific proof. Yeah, I don't I don't want to believe it. Okay, so we've covered uh, logical. Positive positivism. Yeah, am I saying yep, you it got right? that right? Okay, yep. good. Which you're saying is a dead philosophy, but is feeding into the new atheist movement. Yeah, because of course there are lots of aspects of reality that that are ungraspable by the human mind. I mean, yeah. space-time singularities, and uh, you know the, the the ways that the fundamental you know building blocks even of of reality. You know, um, particles, light particles, and at the quantum level, there are, there are just so many mysteries there, things that we that are beyond, Science. in a sense, yeah. Like, and 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 some would say, fundamentally beyond um, beyond our ability to 
to grasp. Now, there's an interesting book, um, and I can't remember the scholar's name, but it's called The Island of Knowledge. It's an interesting uh, interesting book. Uh, it's not written by a Christian author, um, but it's by... And this is part of this kickback that I talked about against this new atheism. This is a, this book is a kickback against the, the, some of the foundations of the new atheism. And um, the, he uses the illustration of um, the, uh, the island of knowledge il- metaphor indicates that the greater our knowledge... So the, the island is knowledge and the ocean is our ignorance, right? Yeah. Is, is the mystery. Mm. And he says the, the bigger the island grows, the larger the shoreline... <laughs> Of our ignorance is. You see what I mean? So it's a beautiful yeah, metaphor. It's a great metaphor. It's a great metaphor. You know, so he says, like, the more that we learn, it actually mm. doesn't decrease our our encounter with the fundamentally mysterious nature yes. of reality, yes. of ultimate reality. Uh, it actually grows our sense of wonder and our sense of mystery, okay? Yeah. So it, it what it does is that it confronts um, that the growth... In knowledge, it confronts scientists with the great unknown, with the fact that there is there is an aspect, a field of reality that is beyond what we can grasp. Okay. Brothers and sisters of the Thrive family, it's your old mate TJ here, and I hope you're enjoying this episode of Thrive Perspectives, our special birthday edition. Uh, now, as, as I'm going back and listening to it again as I edit it, it is uh, it really is a tour de force from uh, Brother Mattia. Everything that he has read and studied, the philosophy behind everything to do with the new atheism movement. I hope you're getting something out of it. Maybe if this is a little bit not for you or doesn't really affect you, take heart. Grab this episode and share it with somebody who you think it will help. It might be a work colleague, a family member, a family friend, someone who's really uh, you know been wrestling with this whole new atheism movement. And this might be a great way to get that conversation started. Now, I want to take this moment and just share a little bit about behind the scenes of what's happening here in the world of Thrive. Uh, as some of you might be aware, we are almost finished our Thrive studio, uh, you know, our Thrive headquarters build out here. We've got a new studio getting built out and it is almost done. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a couple of weeks away and I cannot wait to move in there and start giving you some great content from that. Now, talking about great content, we are working on a whole new way to give you a new type of teaching from Matthew and I. And I cannot wait to show you. And by show you, yeah, I'm talking about video. I'm talking about bite-sized chunks of video. That sounds appetizing, doesn't it? Bite-sized chunks of teaching from me and Matt. We've got a few ideas. We've started working on them. And I cannot wait to bring you these 10 to 15-minute videos that will help you in your Christian walk. Oh, this is a whole new level that we're able to do. But we can't do any of this without you. We can't do any of this without your support and help. And so I want to encourage you right now to head over to thrivetoday.tv. You will see a donate button. You'll see a way to be able to give. Just pray about giving any amount per month. If you want to give a one-off amount, that's fine. You can give a one-off donation. We all we appreciate anything you're able to give. But what really helps is a monthly partnership with us. Just being able to select an amount that's within your budget, a little amount every month really goes a long way in supporting what we do. And we've got great plans for 2021 that we want to bring to you. So please take a moment, head over to thrivetoday.tv, pray about it, think about it, and get involved we can't do it without you all right that's enough from me i will see you online but right now let's get back into this tour de force from matt about the new atheism here on thrive perspectives 
is there is an aspect, a field of reality that is beyond what we can grasp, okay? So what this means is that the, the only way that these questions of ultimate reality can be known to us, uh, the only way uh, that, you know, if, if there is a God out there, and of course we believe uh, that there is, um, is the only way that we could know is if that God reveals himself to us breaks into our ignorance i mean arguably you would also say um we would also have an innate sense of that yeah and um and i would uh, argue that that also is another very important aspect that it is something uh innate within us now i'm going to say something about that uh, uh because um there's a recent uh, work uh, work done by a canadian philosopher called charles taylor and uh, he points out that um, this modern scepticism, mm-hmm. even the qu- even to think to even question the existence of God, mm. is something that even in 1500 AD mm. uh, would not have even occurred to someone yeah. to even ask that question. Right? Yeah. And he says something happened over the course of sort of 500 years that. That caused us to uh, now. He, he's this guy's not a Christian, by the way, and mm. and um, but his. I think his. I've found his work really useful because he basically analyzes uh, the difference between believing now and believing then. Wow. And he says what what has happened is that we've buffered ourselves from the, through this scientific method. Right. What we what we did is that we created this. Um, this sort of sub we made the world and reality into an object yes that we the great subjects study so it's like we push the world away and we it's like we dissociated ourselves from it yeah it's like we somehow walled ourselves projected off. ourselves to the outside of reality yeah. so that we could look, look in on reality and he says so now we have this strange the, the modern mindset, and he, his, the, his main uh, work on this called um, a, a Secular Age. Yeah. Um, it's very dense, uh, a, a very dense work that, um, very technical work. But um, basically what he's saying is that we have projected ourselves out of reality. So even, so now we have what he calls a buffered relationship with the world. Yeah. With, with reality, as it were. Okay. Yes. He, he describes sort of pre-1500 and, and, and he looks even presently looks at, well, what we would see as more primitive societies, but this is interesting as well because um, the the sort of the growth in the scientific method and what is called the enlightenment, what was yes. called the enlightenment, I put that in, ver- in inverted commas, yeah. um, you know, people see this buffered relationship that we have to reality as enlightened. Yeah. You know, this is... Um, uh, this sort of sceptical mindset is somehow enlightened. Well, he actually challenges that. And, and there's there's a whole stream in uh, philosophy that is seriously challenging that um, because he would look at, uh, you know, sort of going back uh, in time, but also going to other cultures, like particularly what would be called primitive cultures. Yes. There's problems with that terminology yeah. because it's very patronising. Yes. Um, uh, he would refer to that as a, as porous they are spiritually porous. So there's a sense so, – so they, it, there are peoples for whom they would never, ever question the existence of a spiritual world. And porous like a sponge. Yeah, porous like, a, like, yeah, porous like soak, a sponge, yeah. They soak in yeah, the, the environment right. around them. So, you know, he gives plenty of examples and, and anthropologists, you know, uh, the work of anth- anthropologists abounds with examples yeah. of how these people – not only do they not even doubt, but it's mm. it's an immediate – the existence of the spiritual world for these people is an immediate fact. Mm. Now, what they encounter, I would say, is an almost intermediate is, – is, yes, a world of spirits. And it's not always a good thing because, no. as we know from a Christian worldview point of view, yep. there's lots of very untoward stuff going on in the spiritual yep. world. But nevertheless – it never occurs to them to doubt that there is another aspect, a spiritual aspect of reality. So um, what happened over the, over the last 500 years is that we went through this process where, where we, with, we withdrew. Um, we made, um, I'm just thinking about how technical to get here. Uh, we, we took this almost godlike 
yeah. role. Yeah. You know, we are going to stand out of re- we're going to we're going to make subject everything to the scientific method as though we if if it's not if we can't potentially grasp it yeah. through our method, it's not even real, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, um, the founders of uh, of 20th century, now it's quite an influential uh, school of philosophy um, called um, critical theory that you may have heard of. There's a very interesting statement where they say, and um, Adorno and Horkheimer, the two scholars that f- sort of the founders of that critical theory stream, I mean, I there's a lot, you know, plenty that I disagree, and they're actually atheists as well. But the yes. interesting thing is they say that they write this sort of critique of the Enlightenment and they say outright, enlightenment is totalitarianism. Wow. I just like, I, I, I nearly jumped out of my chair when I read this wow. in their uh, book. There's a book called Dialectic, Dialectic of Enlightenment, which is a very technical book. But they really critique this idea that these people think they have this monopoly on reality. Mm. Mm. And you just can't do that. And, no. and what they see that as, and this is really the foundations of critical theory, that systemic in this kind of Western culture is this really patronising, it's like this power-driven thing yes. that we're the, you know, we're, we're the high priests of, of reality. and the stewards of reality and knowledge and, and uh, you know, we, we move into these uh, primitive, they're just primitive cultures and we there's all these superstitious beliefs in a spirit world yeah, and yeah, yeah. all of that's just nonsense and, and you know, we, we've moved beyond all of this God stuff and spiritual and soul sort of stuff and, and as though they're like, again, it's like the high priests of reality. Yeah. And they would say that's actually a kind of, they, they say, that's intellectual totalitarianism. Wow. And I would say, again, this is, to me, this is the benefit of reading even scholars that I, you know, don't share my worldview. I look at that and say, amen. Yeah. That's absolutely true. So how does it, how is, okay, so we've covered the background of that over the last, you know, you've covered, you know, from the scientific method, looking at enlightenment, we've looked at, uh, you know, the logical positivism mm. and and how that's you know been influential, mm. bring it all back down to these to these new atheists yeah. and how it's influencing culture now. Yeah. Okay. So so basically, um, they their arguments are, uh, I mean, there's a chapter in Dawkins, uh, the God delusion, that's something like why God most probably isn't real or something like that. Yeah. And basically, his argument is. We believed in, you know, we believed in God because we couldn't explain the world. Now we can explain the world. We don't need God anymore. Yeah. I mean, that that it's an old argument. You know, Nietzsche, for example, was yeah, that was essentially his argument um, as to why God is dead. You know, um, so it's an old argument, but it's it's based on a fallacy. It's called the God of the gaps fallacy. Mm. This is the idea that we believe in God. Because it's, the idea is that God is a hypothesis. You know, yeah. God is a hypothesis. It's like a, a gap. We needed to fill a gap. So yes. we took God and we, yeah. now and we the, made him up. That's right. We, now, the interesting thing about that, that argument is that that argument actually, um, it presupposes the very thing it's trying to argue for. Mm. So by saying that we came up with God because we need an explanation, they're actually presupposing that God isn't real in the first place. Yeah. See, because they're trying to explain, well, they come up with a naturalistic explanation for how did human beings come to believe in a God who, by the way, isn't real, right? Yeah, yeah. So they say, well, um, the most likely way is that we saw thunder and lightning and we, you know, and we needed an explanation. And so we came up with God and then we wanted to lord it over other people and control masses of people. So we came up with religion. And, mm. and now, now that we've, we're civilized people, we need to get rid of all of that, right? Mm. Now, all of that is based on an underlying assumption mm. that it's not true. And yeah. yet the interesting thing is uh, they, you know, they are essentially saying, well, we can explain these things. Therefore, somehow, that leads to the conclusion that God isn't real, when in fact what they're saying is the conclusion of their argument is actually the presupposition yeah, of their argument. They've already decided the, yeah, the, they've the already end, decided decided that, the end yeah. when they go into it. Okay, sorry, let, let me just quickly say yeah. um, that uh, there are a lot of uh, Christians and Christian scientists and Christian philosophers who would argue actually there is empirical evidence for the existence of God. Yes. Um, now... I don't think that evidence 
is ever going to lead to real knowledge of God. Yes. But, you know, so they're not saying it's, it's like proof in the sense that here it is yeah. right in front of you. Yeah. Uh, and we've got to watch out for that because, again, we don't want to reduce God to an empirical object. But they say, well, there's, there's, it's like the fingerprints of God are yeah. all over reality. And I think there's validity and, in that. And, I, and I've heard that that is a – I mean, that's a criticism that's thrown around at a lot of different philo- philosophical thought, especially the new – uh, the new atheists as well, yep. and like you said, when the new th- new atheists came out in the mid two thousands and had their heyday around you know twenty ten and everything, what the kickback has been is what they've realised pretty much like the same as the yep. Westboro Baptist Church yep. and, and organisations like that. You know, picture the crazy fundamentalists, you know, preachers mm. out there uh, like Steve, what's his name in America, who jumps on the mm. pulpit and says that God hates mm. everybody, you know, mm. type of thing. You're not attracting a yeah. lot of people to the yeah, cause, that's right. and so. When you when yeah. you're telling everybody that they're idiots, yeah. you know, and and I think that's what new atheism is, is sort of yeah. Realized it's as well. one of the other characteristics of the new atheism is that they're full of anecdotes of that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, they're they're doing essentially what what you know the media is very good at doing, which is picking all of the most extreme cases of the people who come across in in the most bigoted sort of ways. Um, and and they you know paste you know they paste it up there and so you know um, Hitchens' book God is not great and even when Hitchens talks it, it's it's you know anecdotes lots of anecdotes yeah. about um, how religion makes people worse now you t- I mean and it's this is the interesting thing because they they bring out all of these anecdotes um, and, and yet they're all about evidence and but anecdotal evidence isn't really uh, Evidence. I've got a, a somewhat so, a sidetrack question here for you. Out of the four horsemen of the new new atheism, yeah. Dawkins, Harris, Hitchens, Dennett. Yeah. Which one do you enjoy reading or listening to the most? Uh, Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. Same. By yeah. by a hundred. He's very entertaining. By, yeah. he's so entertaining, and he's I find him incredibly watchable. Yeah. Um, and I, and well, I, he became something of a cult figure. Yeah, in in his lifetime. Well, uh, the thing that I really enjoyed, and there's, it's on, I, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. I, I think you can find this on YouTube. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the Reformed preacher theologian behind Canon Press, uh, Douglas Wilson. Um, Douglas Wilson yeah. is an old school American yeah. uh, cowboy booted wearing, yeah. gun toting, right. uh, Reformed evangelist, theologian, pastor. Yeah. Um, you know, the big family, the whole kid and caboodle. Yeah. Uh, wonderful guy, amazing author, wonderful interviewer. Um, he and and um, he, Christopher Hitchens became became friends. Right. Deep friends. Okay, yeah. And called each other friends. Yeah. And went on tour together. And it's a wonderful documentary you can find out there where, you know, in the height of Christopher Hitchens' fame, he's touring around the country right. having debates and speaking with, you know, Douglas Wilson. And the reason why he says he says he looks straight in the camera and he says this is one of the few so-called men of God that actually believes a hundred percent what he says he believes, mm. and I will I respect that, but I disagree with it. Yeah. But I'll argue like he's the person I want to argue with. Yeah. Not all again coming from England, he was like I'm surrounded by religious leaders who don't actually believe, and I hate them even more. Mm. And that's what he hated in that religion. Yeah. side of it and it's a great there's some great documentaries yeah. you can go out there and find yeah. Christopher Hitchens. a great uh, I think one of the people and I probably I would say one of the best living apologists uh, would be William Lane Craig yes William Lane Craig's uh, online that you can find this online debate with Christopher Hitchens Hitchens yeah. is uh, I think uh, is one of the best that's out there uh, William Lane Craig uh, he is um, you know, there are lots of sort of popular uh, figures out there. William Lane Craig is actually a, a, a very um, prominent philosopher in his own right, yeah. and uh, and, uh, and certainly one of the best Christian apologists. In yeah, the world and today. look, once yeah. you go down that rabbit hole of debate between one of these guys, yeah, and Christian- I, I wouldn't get. Look, I, I would let me sound a caution about yeah. getting too much into this stuff, because if anything, um, what what I would want this to do is to validate. What would be called on the their side, what would be referred to as a naive Christian belief. Mm. Now, what they refer to as naive in that pejorative sense, I would want to say, no, actually, that's being porous. Yeah, there's there actually there's a really good 
uh, I think, and, and sophisticated philosophical argument that says, no, you, you, are, you have a right, actually, to experience reality. Because um, th- that, that immediate sense that you have of God, and, and I think what can happen is valid. So I think what can happen is that we get engaged too much in this intellectual debate, and as a result we as Christians start to dissociate and, and we're, now suddenly we're standing on the, yeah. trying to stand on the outside of reality. Yeah. It's like standing with our, you know, with these people on the outside of reality. Actually, we, we need to be, we need to bear witness to the truth of God and of Jesus Christ mm. from within. Yeah. And, and, That's a great and I think what can often happen, and this was, um, this was actually the great uh, contention of the philosopher Kierkegaard. Uh, I, was, I was waiting. You were waiting, waiting for me to get to We got the bingo card here. Yeah. Bingo! <laughs> That's right. Kierkegaard's um, mentioned. So he, his, the issue that he had yeah. that in trying to defend the Christian faith, yeah. um, Christians were stepping out, were joining people on the outside of reality and these key Enlightenment and post-Enlightenment thinkers. Yes. And they were stepping outside of reality, yes. uh, wanting to, in a sense, construct... Um, sort of a philosophies of everything, and his and it was famously he critiqued the philosopher Hegel for trying to do this, mm. a sort of philosophy of everything that incorporated God, and he could say, well, see, there you go. So God does fit into a theory of everything. And Kierkegaard said, no, but the problem is, is that you're standing outside of reality with the skeptics. Wow, uh, that is not the way to uh, to represent the Christian. I think the most important thing. I believe, and, and this is a, a point that um, uh, that Charles Taylor makes, is that even believers now yeah. believe in a different way. This is actually quite a valid point. Wow! Because we have this we have this tendency to to want to stand outside and and think even see even the way that we think now yes. is affected by the last five hundred years. So yes. we're we're in in a culture where we're. I guess culturally quite dissociative in this sense. We we tend to want to stand outside, Mm. wrap it all up in our minds, Mm. okay, um, with this kind of God complex that we have, like Mm. I'm going to wrap up, understand everything about reality, make a decision about what we believe from that standpoint, right? And so even believers try to do that. So he says even believers are constantly fraught with this process of trying to overcome skepticism and skepticism is essentially um, because remember his point is that it never would have occurred to, for example, it would never occur to, um, uh, for, you know, an indigenous person in, in you know, of hmm. any anywhere yep. that there would be a spiritual world. Like they, yes. they, skepticism doesn't really because there's a sense of immediate connection with that. Yeah. What he says we've lost is that immediate connection. Mm. Now, I mean, that goes with our loss to our immediate connection with our environment and a lot of other things he puts together, which I think is very valid. Um, and, and, and one of the reasons why this perspective is becoming so prominent is because of the, there's so many symptoms of human beings losing touch, in a sense, with their environment yes. and, and all the environmental problems that that's causing. And so it's, it's causing people to go to what would otherwise be seen as more primitive and naive ways of thinking saying, Oh, maybe actually they've got a point, you know, maybe, maybe this standing outside of reality and trying to control everything, maybe this kind of approach to knowledge where we have to handle and control everything. Mm. uh, Maybe that's causing more problems. Um, And I think that's a valid critique. Uh, When you, when now where I, where this, uh, to use a very modern phrase, where this begins to vibrate with me, yeah. and there's and the and the personal testimony that I have with what you're talking about, yeah. uh, not so much about the new atheism, but especially around the what you're almost getting to the subjective and objective way of looking at truth, yeah. which our good friend, uh, you know, Kierkegaard, you know, spent a lot of time talking about, is my tradition, and I'm wondering if anybody can understand this as well and I think to a lesser point the tradition that you started in Matt it was very much of that objective Mm. way of looking at the truth looking at the gospel looking at theology looking at the bible was you know I was taught from a very young age you you do emotions do not play a part in this you don't feel any of this stuff 
Because feelings, and there's there's an element of truth to that. An element of validity to that. Yeah. Because feelings can take you all over the place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, feelings. You can yeah. feel something today and feel it. And yeah. but there was a resistant to, resistance to the sort of experiential element. Oh, you know, if I of t- that. if I walked into the church, I remember once I walked into the church I was in. Uh, you know, uh, and shout out to everybody, and I'm still very good friends with the South mm. Valley crew mm. at the South Valley Baptist Independent Baptist Fundamentalist mm. Church, um, and I was dealing with. The men of the church, including mm. all the elders, all the all mm. the team there, and they asked me to give a, a talk on what God's been teaching me. And it was in the middle. I was in the middle. It was all your fault, Matt, mm. of reading all these Soren Kierkegaard books you were giving right. me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're sharing. Sorry, you know, read this one and yeah. read this one, and this is a good summary of this. And I, my, my my little mind was was being blown. Mm. And I, you know, was going back to scripture and pulling out scriptures and, and you know all yeah. that type of stuff. And I shared what I was finding out that that God was to be experienced. Yeah. Surely that's what the Bible yeah. is to t- teaching where, us. That's right, because relationship is an experiential thing. A hundred percent. And, and and you know, like Kierkegaard, I'll get the quote wrong, Kierkegaard has, you know, that famous quote, you know, who cares if truth comes down in front of me, you know, as some sort of glorious thing with a sword. I can't remember yeah, yeah. what he says, you know, like blazing truth. Unless, if I just, if, he, if Soren Kierkegaard sits there and goes, affirmative, that yeah. is truth in front of me yeah. and just continues on his way. Yeah. Who cares? But he's like, no, no, God wants you to melt on the floor yeah. and have an experience yeah. and, and repent and do whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so I, to, to bring all that home, when you talk about this objective and subjective reality that people yeah. are wanting to do, I find myself, my way of thinking, and it might be the male part of my brain, I don't, mm. you know, it might be the way I was brought up, is I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to want yeah. everything to be correct, yeah. my theology to be yeah. right, to make sure I've crossed every T and yeah. dotted every I, where sometimes God's like, no, no, yeah. I need yeah. you to experience me. And, and of course, there's importance to that. You know, like tr- it's, it's important that we, you know, there's, there's truth and there's a falsehood and we, we need to uh, know the difference between the two. But um, it's very important that we... Um, we bel- we know from the inside we are not god we cannot stand outside of reality and look in we're on the inside and 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 god you know as i've s- say a million times we cannot grasp god yeah. but we can be grasped by god now god is we are literally immersed in the presence of god hmm. god is everywhere in all things um and and so the, the only reason we don't really know and sense God is because we retract, is because we, it's like form a shell. It's hard, the old biblical hardness of heart, you know. Mm. We form a shell like a submarine that we mm. kind of shut God out and because we want to be the gods of our own little universe. So for me, this, this line of thinking is actually very fruitful f- for me because, you know, like many people, particularly in our culture, there's a tendency to overthink things. You know, I I encounter this a lot of people looking into faith. There's a sense of people feel compelled to consider the God thing. Uh, And that's due to the innate, um, this innate sense of God, right? But what happens is that they then try to work it out. So I'm going to work it all out. I'm going to stand on the outside. Right. Let's see if this is true. Right. And I'll read books and I'll, I'll think about it. Listen, you are never going to know that it's true by thinking about it. You can read the most, you can read William Lane Craig and all of the most compelling apologetic arguments. And, and it may, it may make it highly likely, Mm. but it, it doesn't actually enable you to know in the immediate sense yes as like i know that you're sitting in front of me mm. but see i know that you're sitting in front of me because i can see you right um now god is much greater than you in I fact so. he's so infinitely greater than you that he's not confined to one place mm. god is actually so great and so immediately present to us that it's easy for us to miss that fact it's like a fish that doubts the existence of the ocean. Yeah. Ah, where is this ocean? Everyone says there's an ocean. I don't see an ocean. Where yeah. is the ocean? Yeah. No, actually, the ocean is the reason why you're alive. In the it's like mm. God is what makes you. In Him, you live and breathe and have your being. Paul mm. says, "In Him, mm. right." So we are actually in God already. But the fact is, the reason that we don't know is because we are somehow shutting God out. Yeah. Now that puts the issue in an and. You know, in a whole other ballpark. 
to use a sporting analogy, which, which I should never do. But um, what it means is, for me, practically, it means that rather than just think through stuff, you know, okay, let me... Because that process of trying to think or trying to circumscribe it with my mind is essentially me withdrawing from it, you see? Yeah. What I need to do is, if you want to know that there's a God, call on the name of the Lord. Like, call on... Call on God. Say, God, reveal yourself to me. Pray. Yeah. You, you're not going to get there by thinking. You yeah. won't know that it's real by thinking. What you need to do is pray, is that you need to actually reach out, ask God to reveal himself to you. And even the way that God does that, does get it takes getting used to, right? Because it's not like God's going to suddenly stand in front of you. Yeah. Um, uh, because if you said, ah, yes, that's God, immediately you would be reducing God. This is, the, And I think this is why, possibly why God doesn't do this, yes. because God will not ever be less than God. He will never compromise his glory. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So he will never be less than what he is. Yeah. And he wants us to receive him as he is, and that is the infinite, eternal creator of all things. Okay? So is this how you uh, – let's wrap it up because we've run out yeah. of time. Yeah. Getting it back to the, the, we started from the new atheism, you know, yeah. type of thing. And we've, the, the point that you're making is this is the argument that you would use against those of the yeah. school of the new atheists. Yeah, that's right. So often what I begin with when someone asks me this, you know, question and, and they're thinking about this and, you know, one of the first things I say, okay, if if God, and, and I'm not a massive fan of hypotheticals, but I, but I, I say, look, okay, just... If, if God is real, how do you think you would know? Just to get them to that, uh, I guess, that those underlying issues. How would you know? Like, let's think about even what we're talking about here. Yeah. Got infinite, eternal God who is beyond, you know, beyond all grasp. How would you know? That often is a really fruitful uh, way of starting. And it often leads me to point out, you, you, are, you cannot ever think your way into a knowledge of God. If God is real, you need to be willing for God to take hold of your life. But here's the thing. Um, when God reveals himself to you, he only does so by being God to you. Yeah. Now, if you're not willing for God to be your God, and, you know, God has a way of being God and taking over. Yes. Right? Because that's his prerogative. Yeah. If you're not willing, this is, see, so it's, ne it's never just an intellectual thing. It's no. actually a matter of the will. If you're not willing for God to be God, it will never be evident to you that God is even real, right? Mm. Because you are constantly dissociating from that. You're constantly shutting out that fact. Mm. So, so what it does, what that does for me is that it leads away from all the philosophical, you know, uh, all of the, you know, argument. I don't need to go through all the different theistic argument. I, I never really do that. Uh, I I quickly get to the point that the only way you could ever know, you're never going to know this by thinking about it. I mean, by the very nature of what we're claiming here, mm. uh, you, and I often use that one line, you can't grasp God, but you can be grasped by God. And I, and I say, if you are willing to let God be your God, you can know God, and that's not by thinking about it but by praying about it. And and I say that, you know, God is willing to get his hands. In fact, that is the very reason why Jesus Christ came, to close the gap between, uh, between us and God. Because the issue here is not one of ignorance. The issue is one of rebellion. Mm. And we need forgiveness. We need reconciliation. And if you are willing to know God, then you can know God. But you need to call on the name of Jesus Christ. You need to say, God, help me. God, forgive me in Jesus' name. It means we get right back to the gospel. Thanks for listening to Thrive Perspectives. We want to hear from you, so send us your big questions and ideas. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, download other shows, see all of our resources and much, much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visiting the website, ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives really helps us reach more people. So head to ratethispodcast.com slash Thrive Perspectives. 
We hope that these shows will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.